Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 415 with Christine Gutierrez, Be Seen, Be Heard, and Reclaim Your Inner Worth. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late for love and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and love. And speaking of women of value, I'm excited that my new book is available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback. It is called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love, and it's filled with personal and client stories, expert interviews, and 30 tips and exercises for stepping more fully into your value. So I hope you pick up a copy on Amazon. This week's tip on becoming a woman of value is embrace your beauty. It's amazing how many of us don't believe that we're beautiful. We have been told a lie, we tell ourselves lies. And actually tonight on my Woman of Value Club call, which I do every month um, in a special uh, membership program, we're talking about reframing your stories. So if you have a story that you are not beautiful, that you're not the typical whatever society thinks is beautiful, I want you to embrace your particular beauty because we all have it. We have it inside, we have it outside. And so my challenge for you this week is to give yourself some love, give your beauty some love and find what you know is beautiful about you. And uh, before I bring Christine on, I just want to tell you about our Facebook group. We have a fabulous support group for women over 40 who are either dating or in relationship and want to go on their last first date. And it's called Your Last First Date. This is a highly monitored group. So we don't have conversations that go off the rails. We have very positive focused conversations that help you work through your challenges, celebrate the things that are good in your life and help you to really communicate more as a woman of value and really show up as your more authentic self so that you can find the love that you seek. And now for my guest, Christine Gutierrez is a Latina licensed psychotherapist. She's a life coach and expert in love addiction, trauma, abuse, and self-esteem. She has a bachelor's degree from Fordham University in human behavior and development, and she has a master's from City College of New York in mental health counseling with a focus on community and prevention. She offers private and group coaching and transformational retreats like her annual Diosa retreat in Puerto Rico. She is the author of I Am Diosa, and she has been featured in Time Out New York, Latina Magazine, Yahoo Health, Cosmo for Latinas, HuffPost, and many others. She currently lives in Puerto Rico with her husband and their pup, Bodhi. Hello, hello, Christine. <laughs> hello. Such an honor. and. Uh... A privilege to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. I heard you on Terry Cole's show, and I'm a big fan of Terry Cole and all that she stands for in taking a stand for people to step into their power. And I just had to have you here. So let's start um, a little bit, learn about your backstory and what inspired you to become a spiritual therapist. Yeah, I always tell people that um, 
I feel like it chose me and that this calling was something that was planted in my heart and my soul um, in a way that goes beyond um, this world. And so for me, I really listened to that uh, inner voice and that, that, uh, that feeling inside me that was constantly looking for how I could help other people. So since I can remember, since I was a little girl, um, I remember feeling really drawn to look at the injustices of life, wanting to desperately know and understand uh, people's suffering. And so I would make my mom stop in the streets in Bushwick in Brooklyn, where I grew up, and ask homeless people, what happened to you? What was your story? Where's your mom? Where's your dad? And my mom would let me. And I, I joked that it was kind of like a baby therapist. Um, and my heart really bled for the world. I was very emotional as a child and I was constantly thinking about, you know, the suffering in other countries and the children that they would show on these, you know, television commercials for, uh, you know, uh, fundraising money for children that were um, impoverished in other countries. And so that feeling was what led me on my journey, you know, and I think it's important to start with that because it was before I knew it was a career. It was really just this, this pain in my heart that I wanted to be part of the solution in some way. And so I kept following that voice until I, you know, went on to study human behavior and development and then went on to do my master's and, and kind of went on this journey to, to, formalizing how I would show up in the world and how I would do my best to be part of the solution, to be part of the change. A baby therapist. <laughs> I love it. I, I think we're, we often have those little breadcrumbs of where we, we started do. and right. And, and so many people don't follow that path. Like they, they kind of ignore the path and then later in life, sometimes they come back. So I love that you knew way back then in Brooklyn, really taking a stand for the suffering of others, you know, really speaks to who you are as a person. So your book, let's talk about your book. I am Dosa, Diosa. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, um, what is Diosa? <laughs> and, um, and if you can just speak to a little bit about what the book's about and, um, and then we'll just kind of go dive deeper. Yeah, so Diosa is the Spanish word for goddess. And so the book is called I Am Diosa, A Journey to Healing Deep, Loving Yourself, and Coming Back Home to Soul. And so uh, on the journey uh, to, to healing myself and to returning back home to myself and learning to love myself and own my divinity as Diosa, I uncovered that there were missing pieces on the journey that I didn't have in uh, my Catholic uh, upbringing and that I saw missing um, in my clinical studies as a therapist. And so really it was the merging of these two worlds of modern therapy and ancient wisdom, including the studies of the divine feminine and how much it meant to me for me to know these tools and really learn how to see myself as both human and divine. And so in this book and in this process, you know, that I share now, um, I've been working in this field for about 11 years. And I saw the, the medicine that occurred when people learned that they were, they were part of the divine, that they were the Osa. And so um, in this book, we talk about how we can unpack our stories, our traumas, our pains, our, our suffering, and, and really do so in a really non-judgmental way. 
and do so in a real and raw way. And in that process of unpacking our stories and looking at what were the patterns of our life, how did that impact our sense of self? How did that fragment our, our, our sense of self? And how can we then, with these principles, come back home to the truth of who we are? And so uh, I Am Biosa captures all of that in, in this book. So you're combining um, some of the ancient wisdom and the therapy background that you have. And you talk about trauma. So um, let's just kind of unpack what is trauma, because I know there's big T trauma, little t trauma. I think a lot of people think unless you have been raped and lived homeless and had some horrible disease, you haven't really had trauma. So what is your definition of trauma? So for me, I, I believe that we all have different varying levels of trauma, right? It can be, like you said, it can be something as, um, it can be something like being at home and having an over uh, perfectionist mother who you know, puts your report card on your, on your refrigerator and says, you only got bees. And that can be really traumatizing for someone to, to constantly have this high expectation of perfectionism in their home, right? It could be something like verbal, emotional, physical abuse. So it ranges. And uh, it's any event that, that removes us from our sense of safety, and from our sense of security. And so uh, in working with clients, I've, I've, I've worked with people that have thought that they had no trauma. And then when we unpacked their story and we got to talk about how their childhood affected them. And, you know, for example, in that example I gave, that was a real story of someone that didn't understand why she felt so hard on herself constantly and why she always went for these relationships where the man was really punitive and critical of her. And she was like, you know, I can't, I didn't go through any uh, really serious abuse. I don't think that that's what it was. And when we went back, we realized that this perfectionistic mother then gave her these downloaded messages that she was unworthy unless she was perfect. And so it really damaged her sense of self-esteem. So it's important that we don't judge what the trauma was in our life, but that we allow ourselves to honor whatever experiences have happened in the timeline of our life and see them as these valuable things to look at because they all deserve to be unpacked, whether they're big or small, um, it's really relative. Uh, it's really interesting. I think we, we often don't think those, those experiences are significant at all. And I remember learning even about like people who move a lot, like I moved 12 times in my life and I was constantly having to make new friends. And I, I don't think that uh, until that moment, um, when I realized that that was trauma, you know, even though I was great at getting through it and making friends, and I consider that to be part of my resilience, it also prevented me from making really deep, deep connections sometimes, because what if I move again, you know, so I, I think that we have these stories that play based on our life experiences, and it's important to unpack them. Absolutely. And we gain so many gems when we're able to understand our story and who we are and why we are the way we are. And not to stay in that place forever, but to really give love to those parts of us that are begging to be loved, right? So all of those moments where perhaps we experience this sense of trauma or this pain point, this moment of pain where someone told you you weren't good enough, you weren't seen enough, you weren't loved enough, it's important that as adults, we can go to those spaces in time and insert 
the love that we needed that perhaps we didn't get. And so this is part of that healing process where we can really uh, nurture those emotional wounds. So how does, how does somebody give themselves the love they didn't get? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways. I think that the first thing that's the most important is to observe your story, first of all. Because I think a lot of us, because of the pain, right, we end up running and running far away because that's one of the ways. And you said it in your own life with the physical manifestation of running away, right? But on a spiritual level, that's a symptom, right, of running away from the self, running away from the pains that one um, can't face because perhaps it's too much in the moment and the person really doesn't have the tools to deal with it, right? So the first thing is observing our story and honoring our pains and just giving reverence and, and, and really observing yourself and saying, you know, you know, you can write out, like, these are, the, these are the moments in my life that I haven't felt loved, right? And even you owning that and claiming that and writing it down allows you to really uh, bring it to consciousness, bring it to awareness, because a lot of these things are things that are tucked away in secret closets within our psyche and our soul. And so they end up collecting dust and mold and, and hidden. But what we bring to the surface allows us to begin to heal that process. And I think the other thing to do is to really develop a language and a dialogue. And I tell people this might sound funny at first if you're not familiar with these kinds of exercises, but it's a way to travel back into time and to imagine a moment, right, that maybe uh, something occurred to you that disconnected you from your self-esteem, uh, overbearing parent or uh a moment where someone told you something that really stuck and hurt your feelings and you weren't able to protect yourself in the moment. But now as an adult to go back to that moment in a meditation, in a visualization, and to be able to say to yourself, like really visualize yourself at that age in that moment in time and to speak to that child or to that teenager and say what you wish you would have heard, you know, this wasn't your fault their actions were a result of their wounds and their patterns that were passed down to them. This had nothing to do with you because as a child, the brain is not yet developed enough to say, this is separate from me. Um, and so everything is internalized on a much deeper level. So giving yourself that validation to know that you're not crazy and that your experiences matter is so healing. <laughs> it won't take away what happened and you might still have, pain points and sadness that lives in your body that might get poked when something similar occurs in your life, right? AKA triggers. But at least we can reduce the volume on the reactivity of that trigger by giving love to those pain points. Yeah, reducing the volume is a really important thing. I think people think, oh, it's, it's done, I'm done. <laughs> no more triggers. <laughs> it's like, what a, right? <laughs> totally done. 30 years of trauma. Out the window. <laughs> and people really expect that to happen. Like you come to coaching or therapy and boom, you're done. And I think what's beautiful about this process is, is knowing that you can shorten, you can shorten the time frame between the trigger and the pain and you can process much more quickly. 
Um, I love you saying reduce the volume is another way to say that. I think that, you know, these loud voices in our head that define us often. Um, we have in tonight's class that I'm teaching about reframing our stories, it's very much along this line. And one of the women in my group is talking about her body image. She has major issues around her body and that she's not good enough to be on a date with men to, she will not be accepted. And, you know, this comes from someplace, you know, it's not just something we're born with, like, oh my God, my body is repulsive. <laughs> you know, as little kids, we're often really chunky and chubby and roly poly and we never sit and go, ugh look at these fat rolls over my diaper. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope not anyway. <laughs> so what would you say to someone with body image issues? Cause that's so, so common. Yeah. You know, I remember on one of my um, Diosa retreats that um, a woman was similar. She was a bigger woman, curvy. And um, she was saying, you know, I, I feel really insecure about my body in the bathing suit. And I feel like I'm not sexy. And I remember telling her, you know, there's, there's meat there for someone to smash their face between your thighs and have all that like yummy deliciousness. <laughs> and she was like, that made me sound, that made me feel so sexy when you said that. Because it was like the, the adjectives around reframing, right? What society has often said is unsexy or undesirable and you know there's uh different levels to to this right if, so, if someone's suffering from body dysmorphia and you know i always recommend you know getting a, a licensed therapist to help you with those deeper issues of body image of control or any kind of body um uh, body dysmorphia or 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 even, right, just feeling insecure, which is so common in our society because we have magazines and media, especially with social media now, constantly you're able to tweak and change anything in a second. And so people don't see, you know, what, um, what are different forms of beauty. But even in that, right, you understanding that um, our bodies, right, and this is where that spiritual aspect come in, comes in our bodies are literally vessels of of the divine and when we honor our bodies as sacred not just the the mundane kind of flesh version but the sacredness and the holiness of our flesh and that's something that i love about tantra which has been a massive part of my journey is that in shaktiism uh, the study of the feminine form of tantra and awakening that goddess within is that you're literally doing these mantras and these rituals to the body, revering the body as sacred. So instead of putting a candle you know, to a statue, you're putting the candle to yourself. You're putting flowers on yourself. You're, you're, you're bathing yourself in this kind of sacred honey and reminding yourself that you are a walking embodiment of the goddess, of La Diosa. And so I think that putting ritual um, and, and ceremony into these moments is so important because as you do that, you don't get it on a mental level, but on an embodied level that you are divine. And I think these practices are also something that's been removed from our society is these like moments for you to, you know, close your eyes, um, light a candle, bathe yourself in whatever, you know, natural oils, touching yourself, repeating affirmations to yourself and really 
having a moment to say, you know, spirit help me to remember the divinity within my body, help me to go beyond this kind of surface society version of my flesh and honor myself as the sacred holy temple that I am. And of course, none of these things are like a quick fix, like we're saying, right? Like, I love having a, a, an approach that involves going to therapy to unpack those deeper issues or, you know, having a trained coach that maybe has had experiences or sharing in a, in a peer led circle with other women that can identify with your story. So, you know, you're not alone. And then lastly, adding the ceremony and the spiritual into it. I think if you do these things little by little, right. Hopefully you can have shifts around your relationship to loving your body and knowing that who you choose in your life. I always say we're like the Holy temple. And unless you come bearing fruits and words of honey and affirmations and divinity, then you're not allowed into the temple who you are. And so choosing partners that honor you and that are not criti critical of your body, that love you for your body in whatever phase it's in. Wow. I love the three-pronged approach. I think that we often think we just one thing, you know, or we only focus on the external and not the internal. And I think many, many people really are afraid of the divinity. They are afraid of the power within. And it just feels really scary because it's not what we're used to. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing somebody just get really upset with his son because he wanted to be the top chess player. And he had won second place. And he got upset with, like he just said, don't, don't, don't aim so high. Like, stop thinking you're the greatest. And I was so appalled, but I understand it. It's like, we, that's his insecurity. You know, he doesn't want to fail. He doesn't want to see his son fail. And so, you know, just aim a little lower, just, just bring it down. And I think we often do that. We, right. So what do you say to people who are so afraid of the divine and the divinity and the, and the power that we have within? Yeah, I think that uh, historically people have been afraid of our sexual power, of our beauty. Uh, you know, that's one of the themes for your call. The beauty is connected to sexuality, is connected to um, our femininity. And we've been trained to be scared. You know, um, even in biblical texts, you have this, uh, this kind of reminder that that there's so much power that we should be scared, right? That um, we should, you know, cover up and, and have all these kinds of things to, to warn people of the power of women. And so while I think that it's important to understand the strength of the power of our sexuality, of our beauty, right? Of our, there is power in that. But to understand that um, we have to unpack kind of those patriarchal views of what has been sold around power, power being negative, instead of this beautiful sacred power that comes in, in, in understanding that we are the trees, we are part of the water, the fire, we are part of nature, right? And so there's, a there's an ability to take away this kind of overt, non-spiritual sexualization of our power and put it back into the spiritual power, which is to say, you know, we are like that flower that's blooming outside. And the more we can understand like, wow, yeah, look at the, look at how majestic and um, 
powerful the the water right the water that fall, rises and falls with the tide that there's so much there that allows a seed to grow into food that we have the capability to do this too whether we um, are bringing forth life in a physical way or in a spiritual way but to reclaim that as something that's not scary but beautiful and uh, we have real re reasons why we've been scared to show our beauty, to claim our beauty, because we've been punished and we've been raped and we've had these historical things that have happened that have made us hide, um, hide our beauty. And so being able to know, it, there's always a balance between understanding the very real realities of that and giving yourself the grace of saying, okay, there, there's a reason why I'm nervous. There's a reason why you know, maybe I've been um, hiding, but how can I start to, in a safe way, embody my beauty? Maybe that's doing it in a group of women that I feel really supported by. Maybe that's doing it alone in my shower where no one can see me and I am, you know, massaging myself and loving myself. There doesn't need to be, this doesn't need to be rushed. You know, this is always a process and there's, there's seasons to our bodies, there's seasons to beauty and learning to kind of pivot into what that looks like, right? During different ages, during different um, seasons of health, right? That can change our body, people that have to remove their breasts or, um, and so on. Uh, people that have bare children and their bodies change that have diseases and they can't control certain things that happen and learning to love ourselves through that process. And so, you know, bring the divinity back in by doing ritual give yourself the grace to take it easy and to know that some days you're going to maybe love your body some days maybe you won't but that as long as you keep making it a practice that you're going to inevitably be able to to love yourself a little bit more and and that's always the goal can you love yourself a little bit more i'm hearing so much self-compassion that's the word that just keeps coming up for me that be kind to yourself through every season through every crisis through every celebration i mean i think we we're really hard on ourselves and uh, there's so much beauty in what you shared and I, I also love the idea of people not being able to have access to us unless they can honor us and the honoring of ourselves is the first step because if we don't we're not honoring this then we think all we deserve is somebody who treats us really poorly and, mm -hmm. and we get the little crumbs instead of eating from the banquet table that's right that's absolutely yeah. right and the more yeah. we treat ourselves as diosa the more we treat ourselves as this living holy walking altar um it becomes easier to say no to what doesn't serve you and yes to what lifts you yeah yeah i love that um so luckily we have you on our other podcast soon so i can talk to you more because i love this conversation but just in closing christine would you share uh one final tip on how people can go on their last first date like just just some other words of wisdom on their last first date yeah so being able to for the woman or person that wants to put themselves out there for love again mm -hmm. um i would say that they are not choosing you you are choosing them 
it's, you know, how to date like a diosa, I say. And when you're going out there, and this is for men, women, non-binary, this is for anyone, um, just change pronouns as needed. But if you're about to go on a date with someone, remember what it is that you want and see it as a, see it as a, as a fun game, right? You're just going out to have a good time and you're, you're noticing what you feel, what you want, what you desire. A lot of times when you're going out there and you're dating, you're saying, will they accept me? Will they love me? Are they choosing me? But instead pivot and, and focus on what you want so that you're in the driver's seat of this dating and love experience. It, it gives you a beautiful sense of empowerment. I love it. Date like a Dios. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a beautiful conversation. Thank you, Christine. And um, can you tell our audience where they can find you? And if you have a gift for them, please share. Yeah, so all of the information on me, my work uh, is at christineg.tv. And then on Instagram at, at Cosmic Christine. And my book is available for pre-orders. And I have a bunch of beautiful gifts when you pre-order a meditation, a 50 page uh, journal digital PDF, which guides you through different areas of your life and the blocks that you're experiencing and what lives on the other side of those blocks. So the, the soul goal um, and a beautiful ritual to activate your inner Diosa. And that's I at that. IamDiosaBook.com. Oh, okay. So all of that will be in the show notes. Um, thank you so much. And I look thank forward to having you on my other podcast, the Women of Value podcast soon. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. And if you love our show, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts is my favorite. And uh, we hope you go on your last first date very soon. Bye.